going overseas, it was a bit of a, a leap of faith. And I was kind of hoping that this kind of opportunity would pop up where I'd just, you know, be able to meet someone that it's, you know, a bit different, meeting them face to face and starting a relationship than, than, than doing it from from all the way down here. And yeah, again, it's kind of just like a lucky, lucky break, lucky coincidence that uh, I think helped by putting myself out there and I'm Ren McDonald and this is The Hope Initiative, a show dedicated to learning about humans on planet Earth or I speak with everyday people to find moments of success and struggle in their life to help inspire hope in yours. Hello and welcome to episode 21 of The Hope Initiative. My name is Ren McDonald and I am your host. Thanks again for being here. This week on the show, I spoke to Stephen Ganavis of Scouted Football. I'd met him a few times here and there, but never really spoken to him other than via Twitter and, you know, social media, which is how us millennials speak these days in most cases. But it was really good to sit down with him and speak about his creation of Scouted Football, which is as you'll come to hear and and learn about basically a magazine and a website that report on some of the best players under 23 uh, around the world, best soccer players that is. So it may not be perhaps the most interesting topic for some of my listeners, but I think if you give it a chance you'll really see how his view on what he's creating could be applied to any, you know, passionate thing that that someone may have. We also talk about how he's written for many different online publications, including The Guardian, and essentially travelling overseas, and how just taking a leap of faith really propelled him to where he is now. So I hope you enjoy it. Uh, Thanks as always for being here. And here is Stephen Ganavis. Stephen Ganavis, welcome to the Hope Initiative. Pleasure to be here. Thank you. Well, I'm actually in your house today. Thank you for having me around. This is a regular occurrence for me coming to people's homes, but I do appreciate it. No worries whatsoever. Okay, so I'd like you just to start, if you wouldn't mind, sharing a bit about you and your life maybe growing up how old you are, anything that's really important to you? Yeah, so I'm 22, kind of grew up in a, my grandparents, one side are Greek and one side are Italian. Um, so that's probably a little bit of where the whole uh, soccer thing kind of started for me, especially really got I started getting into watching games probably around 12, 13 when I kind of I stopped playing when I was 13 actually uh, especially I'm really really small I was at least really small then right and yeah so I stopped playing when I was around 13 and kind of really started watching heaps especially watching you I'm a Juventus fan staying up way late watching uh, Juventus play uh, when I was 13 or 12 they um Juventus won the first title of this eight title stretch that they're on now yeah. And uh, that kind of really got me into it. And so then pretty much from then on, all high school, I'd be staying up late, watching heaps and heaps of games, champ, getting up early for Champions League, staying up late to watch this on or that on a Sunday night, Saturday night. 
and then as I went through high school as well, started you know really enjoying writing, really enjoyed history, those kind of subjects that were kind of in that sort of sort of field. So it kind of all kind of came naturally that the sort of conclusion would be some sort of writing or journalism and to do with uh, to do with soccer. And so since then, kind of just been honing on honing on my craft. It's it, it was kind of helpful that it, I kind of came to that conclusion of what I wanted to do pretty early, and it gave me a pretty good head start trying to, you know, get it get amongst it as early as I could. Yep. Start writing stuff, start talking to people, making connections, especially through through Twitter, which has opened up so many new opportunities for me, meeting people, especially from overseas. So yeah, that's opened up so many new boundaries to to talk to people overseas, meet people overseas, and obviously open up writing opportunities, both through my own uh, ventures and uh, through writing for other people's publications initially, and then writing for newspapers and what whatnot afterwards uh, after that. So so yeah, that's pretty much pretty much my story at this point uh, to do with with writing and and soccer, but. You know, uni uni muddles up in the middle as well, taking up time and and work. But um, I think, yeah, when you're really passionate about something, it's easy to find time and 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 get working hard on something that that gives you enjoyment. Yeah, for sure. So, I guess I came across you and what you've created with Scouted Football through Twitter. You mentioned that it's enabled you to sort of come up with or meet a lot of people, a lot of contacts. We were talking before we started recording about a couple of guys that you were doing a podcast with a couple of years back. Talk to me a bit about Scatter Football. Yeah, so my friend in the in the UK, uh, Tom, started Scatter Football about five years ago. So I was in year 11 at the time. Uh, and I pretty much just coddled up to him on Twitter and said, oh, do you mind if I write a couple of things for your site? He just started it up. Because it was something I, I was super getting into was following uh, youth players, or uh, I'd watch some of the youth World Cups and really enjoyed it. And he said yes, and I wrote a few things for them, and uh, kind of got more embedded in the setup. And me and Tom became really good friends. He came over to to Melbourne on a holiday. I uh, I met him. Uh, we went out a couple of times, and then. I came more embedded and I was kind of joint running it with running scatter with Tom. And then it it was kind of, we were kind of struggling to keep the, the site going. It's really hard, obviously, when you can't afford to pay people because the site wasn't making any money, right. you know, encouraging people or asking people if they want to write stuff and getting them to write stuff. Uh, so instead of what we decided, I decided that we should maybe go in another direction. And instead of posting things on, on the website, we should do a, a yearly book. So we started doing that, and that was that's kind of been the main focus since. And it started that we did some ebooks for three years. That we did profiles on a hundred hundred players. That was just incredibly time consuming. For about two months a year, I was locked away uh, putting together profiles, editing profiles, putting together graphics and whatnot to do this ebook. And and then three years later, we still weren't making any money out of it, but we kind of brought up a, a really good uh, fan base. Our Twitter page had grown pretty, pretty big. We had about uh, 50,000 followers. And then uh, late last year, we decided, oh, let's try and make some money. And we decided we'll start to 
to do a print print run and we'll change it to a quarterly magazine instead of a yearly and split it up into four parts to make it make it more manageable so at this stage that's kind of where we're at there where yeah just working on growing growing the twitter page as much as we can and and uh really enjoying making these quarterly magazines uh shipping them out to people people sending photos of them and 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 really happy and that makes me happy seeing seeing people uh getting enjoyment out of the out of the stuff that we're putting together yeah they're really nice pieces i've got the first handbook i think it's that's the only one that's probably been released no no the, well. the second one's started shipping as well now oh it has started yeah. shipping I've seen that that's got um, Juan Bissaka on the front yeah. is that that's yeah. right for anyone who doesn't know a young I mean you could probably describe him better than me but I'd say a young English right back that's it it's a very basic way of putting it a defender but specifically because I'm not sure if you fully mentioned it there but I obviously know what it is so it's profiles on young players young yeah. football players soccer players yeah. under the age of 23 that's it yeah right so it can be anywhere in the world but it's basically going in depth on their style of play, maybe yeah, yeah. better in your words. So yeah, so the the books are mainly or the magazines are mainly mainly centered around yeah player profiles. So uh, we'll pick twenty five players and we'll write a little bit about what they've done so far in their career, how they play, what are their strengths, what are their weaknesses, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, and then what we think that they might do in the future, what clubs they could move to. Uh, so that's yeah, that's the essence of of them. Yeah, nice. So. How did that come about? Because you mentioned there your mate sort of started it and now you... you does he still work on yeah. it with you? Yeah. yeah. So obviously you both developed it to the point where it's at now. But for you and, and I guess maybe for him, I don't know if you've necessarily spoken to him directly about it, but how did this come about? Was it a passion of yours prior or did it was it something that just sort of, I don't know, came from nowhere almost? Yeah, well, kind of really, it kind of came from nowhere because, well, as I said, it wasn't it wasn't the thing that I had started. He had started it, and I'm really not sure about what his thought behind it was. But I kind of just piggybacked on, and it became like a real passion project for me, even though I wasn't running it. And then it kind of turned out that he like didn't have a lot of time to to follow up on everything, and he'd kind of fallen out of passion with football for for a little while so I was kind of taking the reins and it kind of just all naturally went from there and then it become uh, then youth football in particular became like a real passion for mine during that time just because I I think I was enjoying working with the people that were writing for us and talking to them and, and watching watching those uh, youth games as well so kind of all kind of naturally just progressed and through this channel of scouted football nice did you ever play Football manager growing yeah, up? Yeah, a lot of FIFA, especially when I was younger, like 13 to about well, 12 to 16 kind of area, and yeah. then doubled around with football manager a bit, got into it a fair bit around 17, 18. Yep. So football manager especially is a great one when you're first getting into that kind of thing because it gives you all that scope to kind of go in depth and buy all these young players and try and make a team of all these young players and try and develop them into stars so so yeah the say especially with with soccer there's just so many so many avenues to express yourself there's you know cult people like football culture or fashion and others that like you know tactical analysis others that like player analysis there's uh, others that like just following the the major news stories or the big clubs. There's there's just so many and different leagues, different countries. There's so many avenues to to tell a story. Mm. Uh, and this is kind of the 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 niche that I found myself 
enjoying the most. But yeah, so 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 yeah, that's just naturally funneled itself into into scattered. Yeah, nice man. So you mentioned there, there's a lot of different avenues of football that people can get involved with. Fashion culture. I'm today wearing three nil shirt by the company is called three nil, Melbourne based brand. But for you, because a lot of people listening might think that statistical analysis can be quite a nerdy thing, right? And I love it. And a lot of people do love it, but someone who's never followed the game could think, you know, well, what's the point of that? But for you, why do you think people love it? Like, why do you think so many people do? As someone who's so embedded, as yeah. you've mentioned a couple <clears throat> of times, you know, you're spending a lot of hours on this and a lot of people do really appreciate this work. Yeah. Is there, has that thought ever crossed your mind? Like, well, why? I, I wouldn't say that I my statistical understanding is anywhere near the level of, of some, especially on Twitter. There's some awesome, awesome people that do some great work with stats. But for me, it's just everything in moderation. You got to, you can't discount anything, especially when all the, the major clubs and the major leagues are all pivoting to some degree towards, uh, using statistics as one of the major pillars of, of, uh, of their recruitment strategies. So, I think uh, to, to discount statistics is would be pretty pretty foolish, um, just because yeah, if it, 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 it the big clubs don't do things for no reason, if, if there's benefit in it, they'll they'll explore it, and they're all exploring it, so there must be some some benefit towards uh, using that as a as a founding element of your recruitment. Especially, I think a lot of clubs use it not necessarily to decide what players they're going to sign, but to uh, eliminate broad numbers of players that they're not going to even bother looking at. Right. Figuring out what factors, yeah, they don't want to have as part of their club, right? So it'll really filter into a certain type of player um, and then I a lot, most of them will then send out people to go watch these individual players but putting in their parameters on what statistics, statistical categories they want players to meet will filter out a great deal of players that probably don't suit what they want. Yeah. I, I thought of asking you this question if it came up and it's probably a bit too early, but I'm going to ask it anyway. Is that something that might be a dream job for you one day or have you thought about what you'd ultimately like to do or would you like to grow this into something even bigger than what it is now? Yeah, I definitely want to think about trying to keep growing this as much as I can. Um, for sure. One, just being self-employed and having control over yourself and what you're doing and is great, especially if you can make it financially viable. Uh, as far as scouting for a club's concerned, I have thought about it in the past, but it is very stressful, not greatly paid, I don't believe, unless you're uh, in the upper echelons. Right. So again, I think a lot of people that follow that kind of path, it's a real passion project as well and they, they get real enjoyment out of but that kind of loses the writing aspect that I really enjoy as well. So I'm not sure exactly how I would go in that kind of in that kind of role because sure. it's got the one side of it where you're watching heaps of games and following players, but it's a stressful envi- environment and it's not yeah fulfilling that kind of enjoyment that I get out of out of writing and and running my own running my own thing, running yeah. my own show. Yeah, nice, fair enough. Well, talk to me then a bit, bit about writing because you yeah. mentioned, well, I mentioned you, you study uh, journalism at yeah. RMIT. 
but you also sort of explained that you really enjoyed history when you were growing up in high school. How did that come about? Because I know that I studied, you know, like most kids here in Australia, studied English in, in high school, but I didn't enjoy English at all. I sort of hated the creative writing that we had to do, and I guess it was a little bit forced in high school, which is probably the only thing that I can think back and think, well, if it was more of me and my willingness to do it, I might have enjoyed it more. Yeah. Like I willingly do this podcast, for yeah. example, like you're doing with your project. But yeah, how did your sort of love for writing come about? Yeah, always, um, kind of ever since I was a kid, I was a bit of a history buff. I used to love reading horrible histories and watching horrible histories. That okay. was my like entry into the into really, uh, really enjoying that. And then, yeah, all throughout school, taking history classes in year, year 12 especially, I really enjoyed the revolution's history. Yeah. Which uh, ones did you study? French, Russian? Uh, we did Russian and American. Okay. I did the French and Russian and couldn't, couldn't <laughs> tell you really a thing about it now, I'm afraid. <laughs> and yeah, English as well. I just, I was a fairly avid reader, especially when I was younger. Uh, still probably am, but more on Twitter and news articles and books yeah and i kind of had a natural aptitude for it i guess i really drifted away from maths and science in high school yeah and uh and yeah that was the kind of thing that that really interested me and probably not so much the creative writing but i think definitely kind of more analytical and uh structured kind of writing i enjoyed so i didn't i did english literature but i wasn't a, a huge fan of that, but um, mm. but standard English, uh, yeah, really took a liking to, especially um, when it was you got a little newspaper newspaper clipping and you had to kind of identify exactly what they were doing and right. how they were trying to persuade you and all that kind of stuff. So yeah, I think that, and then also by then I was kind of writing my own stuff, and it's just that's what I was doing a lot of, and that's this kind of skills I was developing. So then it kind of just snowballed from there that I. Just write more, get better, write more, get better. Yeah. And if you enjoy it, you keep doing it and you keep getting better. It's the, what is it, the 10,000 hours rule? You yeah. Probably haven't put in 10,000 hours, but... Sure. But, well, uh, might be closer to putting in <laughs> two months a year for the past few years. Uh-huh. So, Give nice. it a go. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Give it a fair nudge. Nice one, man. So, we're talking a little bit about your writing. So, yeah. you've written for quite a few websites, most notably The Guardian. You did a bit yep. of stuff around the Socceroos during the last World Cup, I believe, or uh, maybe even something at the start of the Just after the Asian Cup and, and Asian at Cup. the Asian Cup, yeah. Yeah, right. So how did that come about? Because The Guardian, you know, pretty pretty big website yeah. publication. So last year, I kind of, right at the start of the year, said, I'm sick of work. I was working office space at the time. So I'm sick of work. And I don't want to go to uni next semester, so I'm going to go on holiday. Uh, so I went on holiday for about six months almost. The end goal of going to the World Cup. But before that, I was doing some some traveling around. I was in England for quite a number of weeks, staying with my friend Tom uh, on, on his couch in his <laughs> nice. apartment that in Nottingham in England. And um, yeah, so while I was there... A producer on on the um, Guardians Football Weekly podcast, which is uh, yeah, pretty pretty big podcast for probably maybe the biggest football podcast. And the producer follows Scatter Football, and he sent me a, a message on Twitter saying, "Oh, 
got a free spot on the on Football Weekly this week. Do you want to do you want to jump on? I said, sure. So I went down to London, uh, rock up the the studio, did the podcast there. I recorded it's with Max Rushton. Probably if any of your listeners listen, or watch up to sport. He pops up on there every now and then. Yeah. And yeah, had a good time. Recorded that, and um, then it kind of left my mind a little bit. I wrote a piece for them as well, but then it left my mind a little bit. And when I was in the, at the World Cup, I was actually on a train in the middle of the Russian countryside by myself, and I thought I had nothing to do. Had terrible reception, but when we parked at a station, I had some reception. I thought, oh, I'll, maybe I'll see if I can message the one of the editors of the guardian in australia and see if they want anything on the world cup so there was one an editor at the guardian australia that followed me and i sent him a message and he said oh i'm not the right person to speak to but send this other person mike an email Uh, so i sent him an email and he said look we kind of don't have any room for more stuff on for the world cup but uh once you get back to Australia and the A League season starts, you know, send me send me an email and pitch me some stuff and 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 we'll see if we'll go from there. So I got back. Uh, season started. Start uh, telling whatever happened. I can't remember what I what I pitched. <laughs> oh, I was about Usain Bolt. Okay. Um. So I pitched him something about Usain Bolt. And he said, "Yep, go ahead, write it." Oh, before that, they said he had said that he'd heard me on the Football Weekly from the Guardian in the UK. And so, and, that, and that's why I was referred to this other sports editor. Okay. And then he said, yep, go ahead, write it. And yeah, kind of from there, just been doing bits and pieces mm. for them. You don't, everything, not everything you pitch gets accepted, but you know, sure. that's, that's, that's normal in the industry. Editors pick and choose what they can budget for, what they think is going to make money, and what suits, what the website, the goal of the website is, or what the angle is. Sure. Um, yeah, so I've got a few thing, few things up for them, uh, and then also uh, they had a, a person that was going to the UAE for the Asian Cup in January pull out. So I got asked if I, I was already going, so I got asked if I uh, wanted to go cover the Socceroos games for them. So I went and uh, sat myself down in the press box in the UAE and and Sick. wrote some uh, wrote some match reports for the Socceroos. Would have been nice if they played a little bit better, but. Um, <laughs> But that was yeah, that was also a really awesome experience. So, right, yeah, it was kind of nice that going overseas was a bit of a, a leap of faith, and I was kind of hoping that this kind of opportunity would pop up where I'd just you know be able to meet someone that it's you know a bit different meeting them face to face and starting a relationship than 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 doing it from from all the way down here. And yeah, again, it's kind of just like a lucky lucky break, lucky coincidence that uh, I think helped by putting myself out there and and kind of you know I did I did holiday and all that but I kind of I did also while I was overseas spent a lot of time kind of knuckling down and meeting a lot of people connecting with a lot of people networking yeah. networking especially in, in in Russia as well um it sounds like I was gonna say like do you really think it was a lucky break because obviously you've put a lot of hours into this oh yeah but there's a lot of people who put a lot of hours into a lot of things that kind of probably don't get that opportunity and it probably was just good timing i had booked a flight now and the day they asked me to do it the next day i'd booked for flight to go to fly out to nice as well so probably okay. if it was a week later i wouldn't have had the chance to do it or yeah so yeah i think yeah there's so many awesome people that do awesome projects on twitter that don't 
get that kind of opportunity. So I do consider it a bit of a lucky break. Sure. Cool. But I guess as well in terms of maybe writing for Australia, for The Guardian down here, you've taken the initiative, literally, in, in messaging them, yeah. messaging someone. Well, and if, you want to do fr- if you want to do freelance work, pretty much, if you, if you don't put yourself out there, if you don't message, if you don't mm. hassle a little bit without being naggy, because I don't think editors like being nagged, but even just sending a little reminder, but sending pictures through and even asking for feedback on a pitch if it's not accepted or... All those kind of things that, yeah, if you want to freelance for a living, which I don't want to do because it's probably quite a stressful uh, stressful existence. Um, yeah, so, yeah, if you want to freelance, you have to kind of, you know, be really active in pitching and mm. and then if you're freelancing, chasing up money from some people and et cetera, right. et cetera. They can be the bad things of it, right? Well, yeah, that's a, that's a major problem for a lot of freelancers, and I'm not, not saying for the Guardian because they've been they've been fine with paying, but uh, I think for a lot of people to get freelancers to get to half their, I think I've seen read some things where some freelancers have had like over ten twenty thousand dollars like waiting to come in at any any point in time. Yeah, uh, and it can be you know three to six months after the thing's been written that they they finally get paid. So that's yeah, that's not sort of avenue I want to go down as a full-time freelancer but yeah bits here and there are really good to you know alongside normal normal life yeah nice man so you and what was the guy's name Sam in Tom Tom sorry um so you and Tom have built it sort of up to what it is now but you know I was listening to that podcast that sort of came out a couple of years ago and you've got a lot of guest writers on um I've got the first sort of hard copy book that you've released and that's not all written by yourself and Tom. There's, you know, quite a few contributors in there. How hard is it to develop all of that or what is the process like and, yeah, yeah. how do you sort of persist through that? So over the years, we've had kind of like a core group of contributors. Some come and go, some have been there at the start and left, some have come in midway through whatever and yeah so it's 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 you know it's not easy to 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 get people to write and especially in the start where you know it's just a passion project yeah now as we're growing we're really going to start looking into 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 helping these guys out and 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 paying them some money for their work especially because they've helped us so much over the years and yes i think you know they want to write for us because just like when I started I wanted to write for for places for free as well just to get your name out there you can't you don't start by writing for the Guardian you don't start writing for the Herald Sun you don't start writing for the age whatever but yeah there's a lot of people that have been you know doing work with us for for you know four or five years now so and not just writing also a lot of the social media uh was a core group of probably three or four guys that that do a heap of heap of work on the social media and, and keep that ticking over. So, and it's all and it's it's it is helpful that you know a lot of the the guys want to get into journalism stuff as well. Well, we all most of us want to get into journalism stuff. So, yeah, I think people you know, having your name in a book or having your name on a on a website, and I think Scouted now is fairly fairly reputable. So mm. I think you know comes in in swings and roundabouts so it's not too hard to to um to get people to knuckle down and you know 
all the guys are great. We're friends. I've met nearly all of them. Because it is a very international thing, right? Where, yeah, well, where most, most of, the, of them I've most. met. One in Berlin, but he's from the UK. Yeah. But he lives in Berlin now. Yeah, and I met four or five other guys in, in the UK that that do some stuff for us as well. So so yeah. that's also good, just you know, having met them and like knowing what they're like. Yeah. Went out with a, with most of them. And yeah, just kind of making making that connection as well. Yeah. Um, just you know, face-to-face is always better uh, than typing over a screen. And, you know, Twitter's great. Typing over the screen's great to make, you know, that first connection. But yeah, there's nothing like, you know, meeting up for a beer face-to-face and having a good chat and, mm. and uh, getting to know someone. Yeah, quality. In terms of when it was in its initial stages, did you have any major doubts? And maybe even now, do you have like... Do you come up against, you know, insecurities on the work that you're doing and if it will resonate with people? And, you know, obviously you're writing pretty lengthy things about young players all around the world. Yeah, is there a point where it's like, you know, obviously you're overcoming it because you're publishing the work, but for anyone listening who's maybe, you know, putting off creating a project, like you've mentioned a few times a passion project, like I worked on this podcast or maybe even just had the idea for like over a year before I probably started work on it. Talk a bit about that, if that's been a problem that you might have faced and maybe how you've overcome it. Yeah, so we definitely kind of encountered a bit of an issue probably about three, three and a half years ago where we were just putting things onto the site and probably not getting that many views and... You know, there's a bit of a struggle getting people to write. There's a bit of a struggle for motivation for ourselves as well. And that, yeah, that's when we decided to do the book and can, can collate everything into one piece so that we got more eyes on it. And then after that, probably once we got through three books, it was kind of like, okay, this takes a lot of time, a lot of effort, a lot of coordination between a lot of people and we're not making any money. So, like, it's all good and well. People really enjoy it. Um, but, yeah, it's really labor-intensive. Yeah. Uh, getting a, you know, it's, each book was would have been like 100,000 words. Or well, the third one was 114 profiles. Each of them, yeah, would have been over 1,000 words. Yeah, well. Not to mention, you know, the amount of time spent on Photoshop, clicking here, there, and everywhere. Um, <laughs> Do you edit it yourself as well? Yeah. Wow. So, yeah, so that's kind of then when we we got to 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 late last year, another friend that in the u s that does a a couple of profiles for us every every now and then said, "Oh, have you ever thought about printing it and I thought, and I thought, no, oh, it's i don't know, I don't think we could sell enough copies that like we could actually you know make any money or anything like that, but the, the the words did resonate with me a bit because I was thinking, you know, another, like this would be number four, take so much time, blah, blah, blah. So anyway, then I started doing a bit of research into costings of, you know, what it costs to ship, how many, how much books cost, blah, blah, blah. And I worked out, hey, maybe might be able to, 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 to break even here or at, at least <laughs> make a little bit of money. Yeah. And kind of, yeah, just went from there. And then um, that's when I decided look and we'll break it into four parts it'll be much more manageable doing it this way so we're doing 25 profiles four times a year instead of one lot of 100 yeah and yeah and so that was kind of the major the hurdle was like oh all of a sudden now we've got something that we can grow 
and it, it's tangible. It's not just, you know, some people are viewing it. People are actually, actually putting their heart in on the table and saying, we actually really value what you guys do. And I'm especially guessing it's through the previous books that we've done and also what we do on Twitter. Yeah. We value what you do and, you know, we're, we want to buy your magazine, read it. And then it's people that have bought both. Uh, so that I'm hoping means that they've enjoyed the first one and they're coming back and want to give the, give the second one a try. So yeah, that's, that's, I think that's a lot of the hurdle for a lot of people with passion projects is that a lot of people have great ideas and they grow them quite substantially, but it gets to a point where it's all good and well having a passion, but it's so hard juggling these things with once you get into, especially with people my age, when they finish uni and they don't have so much time, all of a sudden when they get a full-time job, you know, get a, get a girlfriend, some people later getting married, buying a house, having kids, whatever, it really kills the time that you can spend on, on something like this. So if it's not eventually starting to, to, to give you a benefit of, of some extra money or or whatever, that it's kind of hard to to keep it going. Especially a lot of the passion projects lose money because you've got website hosting and, and all these other kind of expenses expenses domain domains and all that kind of stuff so yeah the little little yeah. costs that yeah you don't really think about a couple hundred bucks a year here 50 bucks there it all yeah kind of adds up so yeah for sure but in terms of like even maybe sharing it with friends locally here did you ever come across any doubt or like any insecurity in sharing it no like, i don't think anyone? so no? um i'm not a massive kind of boasty kind of person i won't you know i put a couple of things up on instagram or facebook or whatever here here or there if i've done an article for the guardian or but um so i don't, I don't really like put it out there that much in that sense regardless yeah one because i'm not one not that kind of person that you know not not that it's i anything wrong with people wanting to share things that they've done and they're proud of that but it's just not something that i really do but yeah then other most people don't follow soccer and won't i know they won't care so it's right so so yeah uh but other other than i suck obviously talk to my friends and stuff about it they've always thought it was pretty cool thought it been supportive of it so so yeah never really had any issues in that sense i think yeah i think people have always kind of thought yeah I think people could see it growing and kind of have also thought that it was, it's a good idea and something worth worth pursuing. Yeah, it's a great idea. I'm, I was trying to think how I came to know of it because we didn't go to high school together. Like, this is probably the first time we've had a conversation that's lasted longer than a couple of minutes. Obviously engaged over Twitter a few times over the years, but pretty sure it was James Volpardo yeah. who told me about it. He might listen to this i think he will he's listened to a few episodes but jidge told me about it i think at the club one day and was like he was very much boasting about it and he was very proud that he knew and i think it's really cool when your project grows that way yeah. through the work that you're doing the hard work that you've put in and then i guess the people you know being proud that hey i yeah. know this guy and this is the thing he's done you know are you guys just mates or is there any actual relation there yeah, oh, I've known I've known James for years now. Sure, I actually haven't seen him in a while. Should catch up. Yeah, but um, yeah, but no, it's awesome that you know, especially the, I think that's the 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 best part is that you know if if um you know people are going around and saying oh you know, I really enjoy following this Twitter account you should go follow it as well I think that's 
Uh, that's awesome. So I'm happy if uh, if James is going around doing that. Um, yeah. Yeah, that's. I think yeah, if that's the best way to grow. If you've got people telling other people that this thing is 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 good and you should yeah. and you should follow it, then yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, sick man. That word of mouth. Nice one. Okay, you mentioned before that you did travel a bit last year, right? You went to the Russian World Cup. Other than sort of establishing those sort of connections that you mentioned, was there any other major thing that you learnt maybe just about life in general, about travelling, about giving it a go? You sort of said that you did get a little bit lucky or considered that you got lucky with those things that came about. But was there anything else that... Maybe I know you're 22, but I'm sure you could, you know, help others with yeah. whatever you might have learnt, whether they're 44, 66, yeah. you know, anything um, you might like to share. So I, most of the time I was by myself and I, I think it was, yeah, traveling by yourself is really different to traveling with other people. So I did some parts with other people, some parts by myself. Yeah. And yeah, I, I found traveling by myself like a really rewarding experience just you know getting a a real proper sense of independence there's times where you're kind of either bored or there's times where you just want to talk to someone or you're a bit anxious about something uh i got i got my phone stolen when i was in Lyon in france so yeah these kind of the kind of experiences obviously you don't want to get mugged but like yeah just being by yourself you know you kind of have to to be able to fend for yourself. Do you remember how your phone got stolen? Like, yeah, I was kind of walking inside? across a bridge and it was Easter Sunday. So this, the city was pretty dead. And walking, I, I, was no, I was focusing on Google Maps. I was not paying attention to the world around me. And this group of four, four blokes walking the other way, pretty much one just grabs out of my hand. Oh. He tells me to, uh, can I swear on the, on the podcast? Yeah. Told me to get fucked in French. What is that in French? Do you remember? Uh, Castois. Okay. And, uh, oh, fuck you. Right. And uh, I thought, hmm, do I want to rock on with four blokes <laughs> that are bigger than me or do I continue to keep walking the other way and uh, go on with my day? So, Shit. so yeah. <clears throat> you chose the ladder. And- <laughs> I chose the ladder. I thought, hmm, what's a, what's a phone if I uh, get my head cracked onto the pavement so yeah. I thought just... what did you do with the phone though like uh, I um, try and get a new one obviously I went and did a police report I found I talked to some people in French and got a found a police station uh, but I had my laptop back at the hostel so I kind of w- was at the hostel googling uh, you know places where I can buy a phone but it was Easter Sunday so everything was closed mm. so you know, I went to bed and actually there was a girl in Lyon that had come to firm on, on exchange okay so the next day i met sent her a message saying hey i just got to leon today uh i've had my phone stolen do you know where i can buy on easter monday in leon a new phone so anyway she she said oh yeah meet me at this place so i had to walk 40 minutes with like brain memorizing oh. where this big shopping center was yeah. um anyway found it got a new phone and i was back on my merry way but yeah it was a, those kind of experiences where you know, you're kind of put on the spot, you're by yourself and you got to kind of, you know, 
make a decision or adapt. Adapt. Yeah, yeah that's a good word. Um, adapt to to the to the circumstance. That was yeah, I think was a, a good learning learning experience. Yeah. And Lost then me. in Russia as well, uh, the other yeah, the big learning experience was uh, traveling around Russia, especially with the language barriers. Mm. And and getting getting around on trains on the you know I, sp- I think I spent a week in a month in Russia I spent a week on trains, uh, wow. meeting all kinds of interesting and weird and strange people, and most of the the carriages had uh, forty people and only three uh, power plugs, oh, wow. so you couldn't exactly be on your phone the whole time. This the the signal was terrible. Yeah. Uh, so that was yeah that was another kind of little moment where you know learning about being independent and fending for yourself nice it's good man so i guess just getting out there giving you giving you a crack you might not feel the most comfortable but yeah being out of your comfort zone is important how long did you stay in leon for after that uh i'd only gone to leon to go watch a game so i was only planning on being there a day as i arrived in the afternoon the day before i was going to watch the game at night which i didn't end up going to because it's the stadium's a bit out of the city and i didn't want to kind of go without having my phone on me yeah, and then yeah, I left the I left the next night, so I really needed a phone as well because I uh, had like my bus tickets and all that kind of stuff on it. Yeah, shit. So yeah, just twenty four hours to go watch a game, and I didn't even get to watch the game. Fuck. I got my phone stolen. Yeah, wasn't exactly stoked, but no, bloody Leon. Hey? <laughs> went, to, went to Turin the next day and went and watched Juventus. So happier days. Happier days. Did, did you win at least three one against Milan? So nice. Very nice. What did Leon do? Did Leon win? Were you uh, going to see they Leon? They won 1-0 against Toulouse. Okay. There you go. It's in the name, that one. Nice. So I only got a few more questions, but thank you so much for yeah, making the time today. Really pleasure. appreciate it. You mentioned, or I sort of did ask you a little bit before, but don't know if you'd feel comfortable maybe giving a bit of inside details, but do you have any real big hopes of expansion or plans for scouted football, what do you, what do you foresee it to be in five years' time? Um, Ten years' time. At this stage, just kind of want to keep rolling with what we're doing, keep growing the Twitter, uh, keep growing the number of, of of books we're selling. Most of us all, you know, have other things in our lives. It's really hard to 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 commit, and I don't want to commit to doing things half-heartedly. I'm the kind of person that you know. With, if we're going to do these books, we're going to make sure we do them every quarter. It's not going to be ones in six months, ones in two months, ones in eight months. Every three months, we're going to do a book. Yeah. So nice. I don't want to go out and and try to you know add another layer of extra work on, and not being able to commit to getting it out routinely. We we used to do a podcast and with time zones and whatsoever, it was really hard to get a consistent schedule. Getting the getting the podcast out every fortnight or whatever it was we were trying to do it, I mean, it kind of really annoyed me. Not that it was anyone's fault, because uh, we were all busy, but kind of annoyed me not being able to commit to 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 starting something and 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 being consistent with it. Yeah, where do you think that came from? Like, is that something that you've always had? I used to be terrible. I used to be really hot and cold with things. Yeah, or I'd be full gas on something and then just go cold turkey yeah so it's kind of something i've really consciously thought of i think in the last few years 
it's probably part of growing up as well. Yeah. I mean, I'm reflecting on it yeah. now because obviously I try to get one of these episodes out well, every yeah, week. Exactly right. You, you kind of grow up a little bit. You you get your priorities in order. You, I think more than anything, you realize what you really like. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas when you're a teenager, you kind of your interests fluctuate and chop and change. Which is obviously okay as well if you're yeah, trying to find yeah, for sure. what, what you're um, in. Yeah. But yeah, I think for me personally, you know, I've known for a long time what I've really enjoyed doing. So now being able to kind of be consistent, knuckle down and and uh, and, and crack on with something without, you know, falling behind is, yeah, I think if, if it's something, if you know what you want to do and if it's something you can do, uh, being consistent is really important. Mm. nice man I'm sorry I know I said we're about to end but I just sort of sparked a few other questions because with what I'm doing I think I messaged you to come on this maybe a couple of months ago six weeks or so but I know it's something I need to get better at is planning future episodes I'd ideally like to do two a week so that I'm not you know recording and editing and publishing all in the same week because this one most likely will be yeah. released tomorrow or Friday morning is when I typically do release them but um how much work goes into I know I did ask that but how much future planning goes into what you're doing so you mentioned again when I got here that you're already starting to sort of plan with you know the third hard copy one that's yeah. coming out but like at what point do you start planning the fourth and what players come into that and yeah. um, how, how far in advance are you? So pretty much after we finished the second book, we gave it a couple of weeks and then... Take uh, a breather? Have a little bit of a breather, especially <laughs> yeah. because it was pretty pretty frantic towards the end. Right. And then, yeah, me and a friend sat down, got on, got on the WhatsApp and called up and kind of discussed what players we we wanted to have who who we thought would be good to write them so pretty much yeah two to three weeks after after the book was done we kind of had a fairly rough idea mm. and then from then on it's asking people would you be would you like to you know write and some more profiles for us again organizing artists for the cover and some stuff that's inside the book even working out how many pages and you've got to be pretty wary of like where things fit in because you can only have 80, 84, 88, 92 pages, etc. You can't just go, oh, I'm going to have 93 pages, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. You kind of have to kind of work out a rough format of, of, of what's filling out the pages. So, so, yeah, it's a lot of forward planning. Then kind of keeping on top of people, kind of just checking in every couple of weeks or so saying oh how are you going with the profile yeah you know because i think if you just let people go you know they'll forget about everyone's human they'll forget or yeah you know so just yeah project managing in that sense and kind of just saying oh you know just, how are you going just checking in and just having a chat with people as well because everyone that contributes for us is i like to think they're a good bloke i have i have lengthy chats with just about all of them every now and then yeah so so yeah, that's a major part of the forward planning and then getting my own act together and doing my profiles, yeah. uh, putting together some of the graphical stuff, uh, which I just finished a lot of yesterday. So yeah, so yeah, it's a lot of forward planning yeah. and if I get better at forward planning, I'll get even uh, even more efficient at doing it instead of it being such a such a late rush like it was last time and how it always seems to be, but getting I'm getting better. I'm not the... 
I'm, I'm decently organized, but <laughs> I can sometimes let things slide. Like yeah. anyone, we're all we're all human. Yeah, no, for sure. I, I definitely, I've done a few overnighters editing this, so I think it's unfortunately common <laughs> for a lot of people doing this sort of creative <laughs> stuff. But nice one, man. Well, before we go, um, feel free to plug exactly where people can get this magazine. I would fully yeah. endorse anyone checking it out who's you know ever watched a game of football who likes that. But even if you know you've got kids, you're a mum or someone, they are great gifts. Like it's a really nice piece. The magazine, you know, it should be in all, you know, good barbers, places around like that, I reckon. But feel free to, uh, yeah. Yeah, so, so our page is at Scattered Football, uh, FTBL, instead of Fully Football, because we got our Twitter account banned about four years ago. Okay. Uh, How'd you get it banned? Uh, for posting a video of a goal or something like that. I can't oh, remember. Was it copywritten or something? Yeah. Oh, um, so, yeah, at Scattered Football, but FTBL. And then mine is... Stephen Scouted, and our website to buy the handbook is sfhandbook.com. Sweet. Nice one, man. Anything else before we go that you might like to mention that we haven't covered here? Uh, no, just I think, yeah, people with, that have a passion for something, if, uh, especially when you're kind of teenager, young adult, and you've got time, if you're at uni or whatever, just give, give it a go. I think a lot of people have great ideas but don't have the the wherewithal to kind of push through and take it off the ground um so if you've got the opportunity if you've got the time if you've got the money if you're in the position to yeah give give something a crack and uh, if, if you've got a great idea yeah go for it awesome man well thank you so much again steven pleasure cheers that's episode 21 thanks again to steven for allowing me to sit down with him and yeah finally learn about the the beginnings of scouted football it was great to learn from him and the conversation in listening back actually reminded me of a book that I read about three years ago now by Seth Godin who as many of you will know who have listened to multiple episodes was someone who helped me get started in podcasting through the podcast fellowship which is one of his online courses and I'm going to read a section of the book now. It's the first page of The Icarus Deception. Art isn't frightening. Art isn't pretty. Art isn't painting. Art isn't something you hang on the wall. Art is what we do when we're truly alive. If you've already decided that you're not an artist, it's worth considering why you made that decision and what it might take to unmake it. If you've announced that you have no talent in anything, then you're hiding. Art might scare you, art might bust you, but art is who we are and what we do and what we need. An artist is someone who uses bravery, insight, creativity and boldness to challenge the status quo. And an artist takes it, all of it, the work, the process, the feedback from those we seek to connect with personally. Art isn't a result, it's a journey. The challenge of our time is to find a journey worthy of your heart and your soul. My name's Jim MacDonald. This has been The Hope Initiative. Thanks again for listening.